Hello. Oh, yes. Come in. Come in. Hello. We're looking for Mr. Pee-wee Herman. We understand he lives here. Oh, no, no, no. You've got the wrong house. People do this all the time. Our, our street numbers are flipped, so sometimes people think that this is his house. This isn't his house. No, he doesn't Oh, live so here. it's the it's the house across the street that's got all of the lawn stuff in front of it. It's yeah, it's the house. Cluttered. Yeah, the, the giant mushroom and the, the obnoxious yeah. Christmas decorations and the farm animals, statues. Right, uh, it's an obvious painted, hoarder. Painted farmhouse red, yeah. Yeah, hoarder house. We understand that yeah. he's... Uh, He's mentally deranged and uh, doesn't know how old he is. We just think of him as kind of quirky. Well, apparently some people think of him as mentally disturbed. He has no obvious job. And um, people have seen him in town acting awfully strange. And so they want us to do a a check on him. Someone's called in what we call a 5150. So uh, can we hide in your house and dart him when he comes back? You don't want to get mixed up with a guy like me. I'm a loner, Daddy. A rebel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. On this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is, I thought this made more money in the 80s because, boy, oh, boy, Pee Wee was everywhere after this movie came out. Oh, boy, he sure was. But the movie, may I mean, it made his money back, but, I mean, it wasn't like a super hit. Some people even still call it a cult movie, despite the fact that, you couldn't do anything in the 80s without Pee Wee being around, right? I feel like I feel like that's because because I agree with you. I think the movie was successful enough that you can't really call it a cult movie. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a blockbuster, but it was successful enough that it's beyond like being a cult movie. Um, but I think it's because the Pee Wee character feels like he should be a cult character. Like you can't really imagine this character becoming like a mainstream character. But that's it's exactly what he's- happened. It's too bad he's dead. I would love to be able to take all of the characters from the 1980s, these inexplicable characters that got movie careers, like Elvira and oh, Pee-wee yeah. and Andrew Dice Clay. That's, yes, Andrew Dice Clay, yes. For and the make Adventures a, of Fort make Caroline. A, make a big movie of them going on an adventure together or something. Yeah. Hit 80s them. Weirdo Avengers or something. Sarah Peller from the, from the Wendy's, you know, <laughs> Where's <laughs> the Beef? Yeah, the where's the beef lady? Who else could we get? Alf. Who else could we? Alf, the guy, the guy who made the uh, DeLorean cars. Oh yeah, John DeLorean. John DeLorean. <laughs> well, and hey, and it'll be party time if he comes along. Why you know not? What I'm I mean, get them all together and make a big '80s movie, right? Yeah. Like '80s I is the. I watched Barbie. '80s is a land somewhere that people get to it's go the, to, yeah. and that's 80s where all the land. '80s, all the '80s people live, like. You know, Schwarzenegger when he was young, and who else would be in 80s land? Oh, Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah, Chuck Norris. Yeah. Stallone. Sure, sure. Sure. Hulk Hogan. Ugh, do we have to? I mean, I'm, I'm, I would look. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to say he was there, whether he's there or not. All right, fine. Hulk, I mean, Hulk Hogan, whatever. Anyway, we're doing what? Yeah. What movie are we doing, Steve? What is it again? Pee Wee's West? We're doing. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, I bet you don't have any trivia for that movie. No, I don't have any trivia for this movie that I've loved since I was eight years old. Thank Christ. That I've probably seen dozens of times, have memorized. Skip over your section all. One of the the formative 
movie watching experiences of my young life. No, I don't have any trivia about it. Okay, great. Why are you getting mad at me? Just because you I'm didn't do your fucking you. job. I do actually have some trivia if if you would. All right, to great, great, great. Let's hear it. His name oh. isn't actually Pee Wee Herman. His name is I know his Paul name Rubens. his name is Paul Rubens. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman is a character that he created for the groundlings. That's correct. Am I just oh, gonna do the trivia for no, no, you? No, no, so, <laughs> no. Here, here's here's the trivia. Here's the trivia. So, um, so this movie is a perfect example of a conventionally structured screenplay. Um, it's such There's a, a reason example. for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, which I'm about to tell you. I'm gonna take so it away from you. How do you like that? You know, I hate it. Now this is what that feels like. Um, so the the writers of the movie, which were Paul Rubens and Phil Hartman and Michael Varhol, they had never written stole that uh, directly uh, from my section, but okay, whatever. People will forget by the time we get to. The oh, two oh, thanks. They're that dumb, huh, Steve? Yeah, exactly. They had anyway, never written. Yeah. They had never written a screenplay for a feature film before. Mm. So they figured they, you know, they they better, you know, get some pointers as to how to do that. Mm-hmm. So they read. Sid Field's screenplay book, sure. which is literally the textbook that you get when you take a screenwriting course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the book on screenwriting. Sure. And so they so they read screenplay by Sid Field, and then they did exactly what the book said to do. That's right. They said, <laughs> so, if you have a 90 minute movie, you write a screenplay that's 90 pages long. Yep. One exactly. page per minute. And the script was 90 pages and the film is more or less 90 minutes. And each act of the movie is pretty much exactly 30 minutes long. So it is as close to a by-the-book screenplay as you can get. Mm-hmm. What was the and original it, inspiration yeah. for the movie? Oh, well, that's another one of my of, of my that's weird. That's like the next piece of trivia. Um you're predictable, was, Steve. <laughs> it, I know, right? Uh it's 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 based largely on the movie Bicycle Thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh the the great Italian masterpiece, Bicycle Thieves. Um, And and once you and once you know that and once you sort of see it, like it becomes obvious. It's like you see Mm. all of the parallels Um, in both in both movies. The plot is kicked into motion when the main character's bicycle is stolen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both characters go to the police and expect them to take it seriously, but they don't. They kind of Mm -hmm. laugh it off like we have more important things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, They both go to a fortune teller. Mm-hmm. who who is a fraud and just basically tells him a bunch of bullshit that doesn't help um i mean there are there are you know a lot of parallels um between the two films and and i know what it shows to me is both in terms of it being like a totally by the book 90 minute three act screenplay and also you know being lifted at least in terms of a lot of the plot points from bicycle thieves is mm-hmm. that it's it's less the 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 underlying structure of it can be formulaic that's not as important as how you execute it mm-hmm. you know because i feel like most people when they watch peewee's big adventure uh you're not you're not sitting there watching it going oh this is such a formulaic movie <laughs> you know like the structure is almost perfectly formulaic but mm-hmm. the joke, the jokes, the tone, the characters, it feels exactly the opposite of that, you know? So yeah. there's, yeah, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, and yes, people might not, you might you might not think that it was inspired by one of the most beautiful pieces of, of humanistic cinema ever made, mm. Bicycle <laughs> Thieves, but it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Paul Rubens also wrote 
he wrote he actually wrote two peewee movies uh and this was the one that ended up that the studio ended up buying the first one was kind of based on pollyanna (laughs) the first one was the first one had a lot of his characters from the stage show Mm -hmm. from uh the at the time it was called the peewee herman show and and that when that eventually became the basis of peewee's playhouse on tv um but he wrote a movie with a lot of with those characters and it was mm-hmm. you know also kind of like a road movie um but just had more of the peewees what now we would think of as the peewees playhouse characters but the peewees the peewee herman show characters mm-hmm. um and so they didn't make that movie they made this movie and paul rubens differentiated between the two by calling this version of peewees big adventure the one that actually got made the bicycle movie mm-hmm. so, of the two versions of the movie, the Warner Brothers wanted the bicycle movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of the movie, there's there's a little there. We, we get clips of like the movie within a movie, like the movie of Pee Wee's life that they make. Um, and in that movie within a movie, Pee Wee, the real Pee Wee's role in the movie is a bit part as a clerk at a hotel. Mm-hmm. As a bellboy, uh, I think. As yeah. A, as, yeah. Uh, five years earlier in 1980. One of Paul Rubin's first movies uh, was Cheech and Chong's next movie. Mm-hmm. And he appears in that movie as Pee Wee. Like he's in character as Pee Wee. He doesn't have the suit or anything, but like the persona oh. is Pee Wee. Um, mm-hmm. And he and he plays a clerk at a hotel. Yep. So, you know, it's kind of like a little a little nod to Paul Rubin's actual movie career. Um, uh, Paul Rubin's and Diane Salinger, who plays Simone the Waitress in this, also appear in Batman Returns. Yes, they which do. Also the parents di- of the penguin, which was also directed by Tim Burton. So you know, that's that's, right. I, and, I, I, and it's kind of neat. Like you know, uh, their their characters, like uh, um, Simone, the waitress, isn't exactly a love interest for Peely nope. in this, but but uh, you know, there's a little like she seems to kind of like him, you know, and they have they're paired for a brief period in the film, and mm-hmm. then they go their separate ways. They talk um, about her big butt. They talk, <laughs> and she says, "Peewee, I've been waiting for someone to put it to me like that my whole life." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, and then they 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 appear together again in a in Batman Returns, and they get to play the Penguin's parents. So I think that's, that's right. Um, one more piece of trivia. God. Okay, and it, and it also relates to Batman because there are wait. It relates Bat- to Batman coming from you. I know, crazy, right? There are two Batman references in the movie, uh, specifically references to the Adam West Batman because this was you know four years before Tim Burton directed mm-hmm. the Michael Keaton Batman that reset the pop culture reference point for Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is, of course, when Pee Wee gets dressed in the morning. He gets dressed by sliding down a fire pole from mm-hmm. his bedroom to his kitchen, and he starts wearing his pajamas. And at the, when he gets to the bottom, he's fully dressed, just like Adam West and Burt Ward in in the Batman TV show when they would slide mm-hmm. down the bat poles. Um, the second is in the sequence near the end when he is at the Warner Brothers lot. You can see the Batmobile there, yeah. the 1960s Batmobile. So even though Tim Burton, even though Batman was not even a glimmer in Tim Burton's eye at this point. Nope. Uh, there are still some Batman references in his. Nor would it be because it wasn't something he was interested in directing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's my trivia for Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Hooray! Can I talk about who made it now? I would love it if you would talk Hooray. about who made it. Here we go, everybody. Um, it was directed <laughs> by Tim Burton. You know that guy, Mister. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to feel about him anymore. He made a few good. He made this movie. He made Beetlejuice, and after that, I just kind of went. 
<laughs> just I like I like Batman. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like Batman. I like Beetlejuice just fine. I thought Beetlejuice was great. And then he made Batman. Yeah. And then I had to go on a date with a girl to go see Edward Scissorhands, which I guess was I've seen once. I don't adore it like some people do, right? He didn't that's direct. That I always I, that, that's you know. that's the one that I always think of when, when when somebody says a Tim Burton movie, like the light bulb that automatically goes off is Edward Scissorhands. I feel mm-hmm. like that's like the quintessential Tim Burton movie. Yeah, I mean, and then there was what. Uh, he didn't do a nightmare, uh, nightmare before Christmas. Right, he didn't direct that. Someone yeah. else directed that, um, and then Ed Wood. Oh, Ed Wood, yeah, okay, there you go. Ed Wood, I love Ed Wood. I Which love is that probably one. his best movie overall, I would say. I think, I think so. I think he had a distinct love for it. Yeah, um, it was definitely a only a, a story that I think only he was going to wind up telling. Mm-hmm. Um, no one else, I don't think, was terribly interested in making it. But, um, but I mean, for the most part. A lot of his movies, I just kind of like, they're okay. Some are just up flat out fucking awful. And yeah. I don't know if he's tired. <laughs> but here's the thing. When I think of, when I think of, when I think of movies by Tim Burton, I think of an aesthetic. I don't think of yes. a, a good movie. And so while that may be good, you think of an aesthetic, you know, gloomy lead characters with sunken eyes that's usually what i picture when when it comes to a tim you know a quote-unquote tim burton movie this movie's different ain't it because he don't know (laughs) what he's doing yet he's still figuring out that tim that signature tim burton style and there's some darker stuff in here but it's still fun Right. So, yay, Tim Burton, whatever, written by Phil Hartman. We all know who Phil Hartman is. He's the cast member from Saturday Night Live that when we think about him, we get sad. We get sad. (laughs) Yeah, he's no longer with us. And let's just leave it at that. Because he got murdered. He got murdered (laughs) in a horrible way by his (laughs) wife. His wife oh, I murdered love him. I love, then, I, gonna, and, I love that I was gonna. I love that I was gonna tastefully back away from him. And you were like, he got done. murdered by I'm his wife. Not done. And then she killed herself, and their <laughs> children had to be raised by other people. But yep. you know him. He was in Saturday Night Live and talk radio. Was it news radio? News radio. News radio. News radio. And, and he did and some course, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A legendary Simpsons voice. Mm-hmm. And he he knew Paul Rubens from the Groundlings. Yeah. Because uh, they're yeah. in the Groundlings together and on the original Pee Wee Herman show, the one that inspired people to have Warner Brothers come up and say, would you guys do a movie? He was Captain Carl on that. He was in on the ground floor of this whole Pee Wee Herman thing. Well, written by Phil Hartman, Paul Rubens, plus Pee Wee Herman, um, and Michael Varhall, nothing. But also contributors to the script were E.G. Daly, who plays uh, Dottie, his girlfriend, and uh, Mark Holton, who is also in the movie, and Diane Salinger, who plays the woman that you were just talking about, who has the big butt. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Judd Omen, who I couldn't find anything on. It was produced by Robert Shapiro, who also, okay, okay, get this. Here are two other movies that Robert Shapiro has been the executive producer on. Ready? I'm ready. My Favorite Martian. Remember that? Okay. That as a as a movie, it was not particularly memorable. <laughs> no, and Empire of the Sun. What the fuck? Talk <laughs> exactly. about like, an, a, a, like an, an out of nowhere credit. That's Whiplash. I mean, yeah. granted, he okay, Majorly. so he did, he did Empire of the Sun before doing My Favorite Martian, so that could be booze. That could be booze. 
<laughs> right? He 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 woke up in Vegas and he had produced fucking that could be booze yeah. or coke or whatever brings sure. people down in Hollywood. It was also produced by Richard Gilbert Abramson, and he also did Big Top Pee Wee and the horrible Theodore Rex. Remember uh, that Whoopi Goldberg? Is that the dino- is that the yeah the dinosaur cop movie? With yeah, the dinosaur cop movie. Yeah. You know? Starring Paul Rubens as Pee Wee Herman. You know him. He's Pee Wee Herman, and that's <laughs> it. He tried really hard to do other things, like he was in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie as one of the one of the vampire dudes, and that's it. Really, he, did, he, had a, he had a pretty decent career, just playing like supporting characters and stuff. I mean, he worked; like he he was able to consistently work. But sure, yeah. I mean, he was he was, but he never really escaped mm-hmm. being typecast as Pete. Right. E.G. Daly is Dottie, and she was in Valley Girl. And she was, uh, she did a lot of voice works. She was the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. Hooray. And um, what was it? I think she was the voice of Babe in the, I don't know if she was the voice of Babe in the first Babe movie or in the second Babe movie. I'm not sure. Maybe both. I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. Why Why am I the Ask her. Yeah, yeah ask, exactly. Go find her and ask her. Go to her house and ask her. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there was a, a rumor going around. I remember one of my friends telling me that Paul Rubens and E.G. Daly were dating in real life. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. They you weren't. You don't think they were? You don't think no, so? Because Paul <laughs> Rubens was fucking gay. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, but she uh, seems like such a nice girl. I'm sure she was. But we were so desperate to make sure that everyone was straight that they just Why made up I a just, relationship I, you know, between the two of them. I just wish he could have found a nice girl and could have just settled down. I know? bet. Yeah. Mark Holton as Francis Buxton. And you know him from <laughs> Team Wolf and a lot of TV, like yeah. a lot of TV. Diane Salinger as Simone. Um, Nothing. I mean, she's been in other stuff, but nothing, nothing major. You're going to hear that a lot in this movie, guys. Um, Judd Omen as Mickey Morelli. Um, nothing. I would have sworn that he's been in something else, but I couldn't find anything. He doesn't even have an entry in um in yeah. fucking Wikipedia. I agree. He looks so familiar, and it's yeah. like I know I've seen him in stuff, and apparently not. Okay. <laughs> Um, Irving Hellman as Mr. Crabtree, nothing. Monty Landis as Mario, nothing. Eric Yeoman as Madame Ruby. I mean, these people did things, but nothing major. Alice Nunn as Large Marge, tons of stuff, but she never did anything major. A lot of TV, a lot of movies, but almost everyone knows her as Large Marge. They gave her a monologue, and then they gave a jump scare at the end that apparently terrified tons of kids Steve's age. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Because it comes out of nowhere. That's my favorite part, is that he gets in a truck... And then this woman launches into a fucking monologue. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? That yeah. ends with one of the goofiest stop motion claymation things ever. Oh, yes. And it's just great. It's just great. Um, Phil Hartman as a reporter. John Harris as Andy. Daryl Keith Roach as Chuck. Karma, Carmen Flippy as Jack. Starletta Dupois as Sergeant Hunter, Professor Toru Tanaka, aka the unarmed, the what is it? The unnamed butler at the, the unnamed House. butler. Yep. So that's our first professional wrestler, right? Yes. Okay. And then Ed Hurley is Mr. Buxton. Again, tons of stuff, but Jan Hooks, you'll remember her from Saturday Night Live. And not a Absolutely. whole lot else, which is kind of funny. <laughs> you would think she would be in more stuff. As Tina, 
Ralph Seymour is Francis's accomplice. Jason Hervey is Kevin Morton. You know him from the Wonder Years. Tony Brill yeah. as Terry Hawthorne, and he's another wrestler, isn't he? No, who am I thinking? Yeah, that is. No, I, isn't t- no, is, no, no, no. Who's wait? Who is? Um, who is? Uh, what's her? Diane Sal- Simone's boyfriend that shows up. That's Terry, oh, isn't it? That's no. That that was um that was uh, Andy. Andy, that's right. Okay, so that was John Harris. John Harris. Yeah, is yeah, Andy. He, yeah, he, yeah, he was a wrestler as well. Yeah. He was a wrestler called yeah. what? What was he called, Steve? You're the Silo wrestler, Sam. Silo, Silo Sam. Sam. Lynn Murray is Marion. John Paragon as the man in red armor. And you guys know John Paragon. If you've ever watched any of the Pee Wee, either the original show that the Groundlings did or the Pee Wee. Pee Wee's Playhouse when it came yep. on Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday morning. <laughs> he was Jambi. Okay. He's the Jambi the Genie. Yep. George Sasaki as the Japanese director. Luke Cuddle as the as Amazing Larry. And I'm only leaving him in there because I love Amazing Larry. He's in the movie <laughs> for exactly three seconds. I lo- it's what I, it's like. We're so, we, we he talks to Amazing Larry and we cut to a shot of Once. him like we're supposed to know who he is. Yeah. And we've never seen him before. I love mm-hmm. it. <clears throat> okay. And then uh that and Darla as the pink poodle. Uncredited. And Darla. Darla was also precious in Silence of the Lambs. No, that's the yes. same dog. That's the same dog. Yes. Wow. What a career. I know. Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Cinematography by Victor James Kemper. And he's done movies very much like, like Pee Wee, like The Candidate, Dog Day <laughs> Afternoon, Zan- <laughs> Xanadu, and The Jerk. I mean, Xanadu is and, and the jerk are closer, are more in the ballpark, but it's hard yeah. to think. You, you, it's like Dog Day imagine, Afternoon. Imagine watching Dog Day Afternoon and go, you know, I bet the guy who shot this also shot Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I can notice some similarities. Edited by Billy Weber, and he's done other movies like Batman Returns, Forty Eight Hours, and The Warriors. Music by Danny Elfman. Hey Steve, guess yeah. what? This what? is Danny. This is the first time Danny Elfman has been asked to score a full motion picture. Indeed, it is. Indeed, and, it is. And, and 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 apparently Tim Burton locked him into servitude for the rest of his life and said, mm-hmm. "You will score all of my films from now on." Danny Actually, Elfman. what he did was he destroyed my favorite band, Oingo Boingo. Yeah, because yeah. Danny Elfman was the front man for Oingo Boingo. And then all of a sudden, he started making all these movies, doing film scores, for the, at first, just for uh, Tim Burton, for the most part, because he did and then this. he became, yeah. And then he became well, I guess after, Beetlejuice, a, a, after and Batman, Batman, I think, yeah. yeah. After yeah. Batman, he became he uh, Danny Elfman and oh, Danny Elfman, one of my favorite film composers. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, you know, like he's one of those composers like John Williams where like you can just you hear a few notes of it and you're like, that's Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. And, you know, Danny Elfman is the singing voice for Jack Skellington in A Nightmare Before Christmas. That's right. Uh, production company Aspen Film Society. It, you know who founded that fucking production company? <laughs> um was it steve martin it's steve martin yeah. that's right it died at some point they no longer exist anymore but it was mostly for steve martin movies steve martin sold and, it for parts when he got to be a big this, enough star <laughs> here's the thing did steve martin become a big enough star i mean he became I don't, a pretty he, big movie star at some point i mean I, he became okay so here's the thing even his 
biggest movies didn't hit that big. He never be he never was fr- he never fronted like a blockbuster. But I mean, he made some. I mean, shit. They kept put they put him in a bunch of shit <laughs> in the in the eighties. Like he made a bunch. The things of movies. that I thought that he was really funny was was his little tiny bit in in the Muppet movie. Y'all as the waiter. Yeah, I do like the jerk. But in the eighties, the thing that I remember him most for. Yvonne Scavelli in the fucking uh, uh, plant that eats everybody movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Little Shop oh, of Horrors. Yeah, little Shop. As, yeah, the, evil, the, dentist in little as job, the evil yeah. dentist, right? Yeah. I mean, I think briefly in the 80s, I think all of me was his biggest. Yeah. His biggest movie. I mean, he was a huge com- stand up comedian in the 1970s. Like, huge. oh my God. Yeah. He played arenas. Yeah. He mm-hmm. was, yeah, exactly. But then, by the time the eighties hit, it it had calmed down a bit. Well, and, and I know by he, the he end did, of the eighties, yeah, he he did some movies that like maybe weren't huge hits at the time, but have become beloved films now, like um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm-hmm. Like sure. I know um, that, that that is a really good movie, but I don't think it. Was, yeah, like, a I like it. I love that movie. Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he did like Parenthood, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Father of the Bride, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I like Dirty that. Dirty Rotten one. Scoundrels, but none of them were like super huge yeah. movies. Anyway, that was his. It's dead now. No one, yeah. Distributed <laughs> by Warner Brothers. It was released on August 9th, 1985. Running time 91 minutes. Budget 7 million. Adjusted for inflation 19.8 million. Box office 40.9 million or 116.1 million dollars adjusted for inflation so steve <coughs> yes my friend are you ready to go back to when i was a teenager and i kind of obsessed about this movie a little bit too much maybe i probably I, shouldn't and, have and i am and and when i when i was a child and i was obsessed with this movie <laughs> were you obsessed with the movie too when you were i love i loved this movie and i loved peewee herman so much mm-hmm. yes absolutely okay you ready so let's get on our I'm, bikes yes our cool bikes I've had a red bicycle since this. I've always had a, I've always had a red <laughs> You've bicycle. You've insisted on always having a red bike. Yeah. 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 I have one right. It's in my garage. You ready? Let's I'm ready. You hop on our red bikes and ride into the world of Pee Wee Herbert's big adventure. Steve. Yeah. Take it away. Oh boy. Well, you know, this movie starts as, as all great adventure movies start with the tour de France. Mm, of course. The, the greatest, you know, cycling, of course, the greatest sport. A lot mm-hmm. I've ever ever conceived, and this but time ridden ridden in California. Yeah, yeah, the, the the Tour de France. Oh, you know, it's the it's the road version. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's the, their own tour. Um, yeah. But uh, and this time there's a, a an unusual entrant, which is Pee Wee Herman uh, riding his bike, mm-hmm. and of course he rides straight to the head of the pack. And yep. there's a there's a hilarious side shot where peewee races by on his bike and then like a full two or three seconds goes by before the neck before the peloton catches up to him and i'm like okay so he's not just winning he's blowing these motherfuckers away (laughs) which makes you wonder because he's shortly he wins shortly after that which means that he was trailing for the majority (laughs) of that race he was biding his time was he, he was, he was waiting he was waiting for his moment to break loose yes what um, i can tell you is that what what paul rubin said was that this thing this scene nearly killed him because oh he was having to power forward on a fixed gear bike that's weighed down with all of this shit <laughs> all of that, that they stuff, have yes. they have fucking welded to this bike <laughs> 
<laughs> right? Because it's got everything. It's got saddlebags. It's got stuff all over the handlebars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got that fake gas tank that has it. All the stuff that I want to putting up on my bike. And yes, it is heavy. And yes, it does impede your ability to ride your bike. But, you know. As you would imagine. Yes. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Anyway, so he wins. And of course... Yep. He wins a crown because you get a crown when you win the tour. When you win the, everybody knows when you win the Tour de France, you get a crown. Yeah, that's right. And the lady, I guess the Queen of France. I don't know. Who sure, she was. sure. Yeah, why not? She's, She's about like, to give him the crown, but then right. he, he he wakes up because it was all a dream. It was all a dream. Mm. And is he upset that it was a dream? And he's woken? No. He's happy. Why would he? It's, because it's, he's Pee-wee. It's another he, beautiful day in the life of Pee-wee Herman. The apparently he, independently wealthy, eccentric man. Eccentric who, man-child. <laughs> yep. Who's, and we get, who we get acts to see like his morning routine. Yeah, like putting on bunny slippers and sniffing around a carrot. He's wearing He's wearing pajamas. The first thing he does when he gets up is he starts playing with toys. He is a child. He is supposed to be a child. He murdered his parents at some point. (laughs) Okay. That's the only thing I can think of. I love how he, I love how he rushes through everything though. Cause you're right. He gets out of bed. The first thing he does is play with toys for like Mm -hmm. two seconds per toy. (laughs) Like he, he has no attention span. He has his, his bunny slippers, sniff the carrot. He like, you know, he plays with the dinosaur. He shoots something Mm -hmm. with a ray gun and it literally, it's like two seconds with each toy. And then he moves on. Mm -hmm. And then he slides down his pole and he's dressed in his, in his suit, which is gray, he wears a gray suit with white loafers and a red a red bow tie. He goes downstairs. He says hi to his dog, Speck. Yep. And then he starts his Rube Goldberg machine that makes his breakfast. That makes breakfast, where Abraham Lincoln makes flapjacks. And, and this uh, is yeah. when we learn, oh, this is a visual movie that's going to be funny with visuals, too. Because this isn't just joke after joke after joke, right? right. It has whimsy. It has, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And and, and and an aesthetic sensibility to it. And this yeah. is when the movie leans hard on Danny Elfman. Oh boy, yes. Oh boy, yes. and yeah. And let's uh, again. You mentioned it already. This is Danny Elfman's first movie score, mm-hmm. and, and he's doing a great and, job. And he does so much, like mm-hmm. it really to 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 help to these jokes to to land the way they need to. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so we're cutting between the breakfast machine. Making his breakfast, feeding his dog, which includes an Abraham Lincoln statue that flips the supposed to be flipping yep. the pancakes, flipping the pancakes while Pee Wee goes into the bathroom, brushes his teeth and <laughs> with an then, oversized toothbrush with a giant toothbrush and then yeah. tapes his face up to make it look like a monster. Yeah, just for shits and giggles, just because he just, felt like yeah, it. Why not? Fuck it. Why not? And uh, he's got a guess your weight machine. Yes. And it tells him to stay home today. Well, yeah. And and don't forget also his weight is exactly 98 pounds. He is literally a 98 pound weakling. That's right. He's a 98 pound weakling. The card that you get from getting your weight tells him he should stay home. (laughs) You should stay. Don't don't leave the house today. And he should have taken the house today. And he doesn't (laughs) like it. He doesn't like that. So then he gets his breakfast. He's got plans. He's got places to go. And his breakfast consists of a pancake two eggs a strawberry for nose and two pieces of bacon for the mouth he has a, to make a, a mouth it's a calls, breakfast hello mr breakfast yeah <laughs> and he's a <laughs> and he asks his breakfast if he would like and this is one of my favorite parts because it is such a joke 
And it's so 80s. He asked him if he would like some Mr. T cereal. <laughs> and and he, goes, he, covers yes, the face. He, he covers the face in a huge pile of Mr. T cereal. So you can't even see the eggs in the, right. in the pancake anymore. And then he eats one piece of cereal. <laughs> and dabs his mouth with a napkin and goes, ah, and gets up and that's mm-hmm. his breakfast. Uh, it's, yeah, it's hilarious. He then goes outside. He turns on the sprinkler, which is a water wiggle. Not yep. these bastards, you know, not the ones that we had back back in the current day, all safetyed up. We're talking about a real no. water wiggle that would whip your legs and hurt you if you got too close to <laughs> yeah. it. A danger, a danger to anyone near it. Mm-hmm. Yes. He lifts up a secret panel on his house and then pulls down a tree branch that I guess is part two of the security thing. And it opens up a thing. Absolutely. And then we see his bike. Right. Yes. And uh, he suppresses a boner. Yeah. He, he clearly loves his bike. He, he clearly. Speaks, he, he talks to the bike in he hushed says, tones. He says, good morning. I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And then he polishes the bike. Yep. And we get right? and, and the bike, the, the contours of the bike are photographed the same way that the Starship Enterprise is in Star Trek the yeah. Motion Picture. Like every curve and line is lovingly traced by the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we get to see the outside of Pee-wee's house, which is just as lun- it's it's decorated by a lunatic. It's ludicrous. Yeah. It's got everything in it that you could possibly want. But we discover that apparently in this part of Los Angeles, they have a plague of man children. (laughs) That's right. Because here comes Francis. Francis Buxton. Right. Who is also acting like a child. Also played by an adult grown man who offers Pee Wee money for his bike. Because it's Francis's birthday and he wants Pee Wee's bike for for his Mm -hmm. birthday. Pee-wee falls down laughing, thinking that he would sell it to him. They have an exchange. Would you like to recreate that exchange? <laughs> they, they, they have a Pee-wee off. <laughs> they have a Pee-wee off. Uh, I don't Pee-wee. know if I can remember it word for word, but we could try. I, I can't remember it word for yeah, word. But it's like, it's like you know, Francis will say something and Pee-wee will give one of his, one, like a Pee-wee comeback. Like, I know you are, but what am I? Or, mm-hmm. you know, or my favorite. Pee-wee, listen to reason. Shh. <laughs> I'm listening to reason. I'm listening to reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he tells him how much he's always loved that bike. And he goes, I love that story. And then he just rides uh, off. Yep. He's like, basically, it's an extended way of saying, fuck you, Francis. Yeah. And he so leaves. now he rides to the park a little bit. And then he tries to do um, like a trick to show off in front of a bunch of kids who are doing tricks on their BMS bikes. And he falls off. And he says, yeah. I meant to do that. And then he rides to an open air mall where there's tons of bikes. And he yes. decides that he's going to lock his bike up on an evil clown. Now, <laughs> there's a robot clown turning and waving. And he's like, I'm going to chain my bike to this. There is something that happens a few times in this in this movie where if you got it on VHS. I know. I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, they, because of the way it was framed. They reformatted it so that you could see the bottom and top of the frame. Yeah. And this happens a couple of times in the movie. So depending on which version you got, you may notice this. Pee-wee starts taking out an absurd amount of chain out of one of his saddlebags to lock up yeah. his bike. If you got the one that showed the bottom of it, you can obviously see that the bottom of the saddlebag has a hole cut out of it and the chain Mm -hmm. feeding up through the bottom as he takes it out. 
Right. I I don't know if they did that on purpose because, because I yeah, don't well, think the, it was like that in the in the movie theaters. No, no, the version I I watched the you know the the you know the the version that was formatted for a movie theater. Yeah, you know for, mm-hmm. when, I, when I watched it for this last night, um, and you can't see it like it's framed out. Um, but the but the crazy thing about it is that like the version I had on VHS because it was a you know it was framed for like a, an old fashioned four by three or four to three aspect ratio TV. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you could see the chain was being fed from the bottom through a hole. From the bottom, yeah. And it's like because of the tone of the movie, like it still kind of works. It doesn't matter. You think you know, it's funny? It's, yeah, 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 exactly. It's like it doesn't. It doesn't read like a mistake. It reads like just another silly detail mm-hmm. in the movie. All I know is that on the VHS tape when I first bought this movie, that's what was on there, yeah. and and I was like, I don't remember that from from the theatrical release. Anyway, he takes out a ridiculous amount of chain and he chains his bike up to the clown and we get just more of his day as he walks through this this open air mall and where does he go shop. he goes to the magic shop for whatever reason they give him a giant to, bag to stock right. up on supplies as mm-hmm. he says <laughs> that's right so what does he get um he gets a a a uh headlight glasses right well he says hey let me show you what because he goofs around with some stuff and he says let me show you what's new in stock right and he's like you know a fake head (laughs) well he did i love it's one of my favorite gags because he says he he gives he shows him three things he says would you like a shrunken head and peewee says no No. so then he pulls up another head and he says regular size and And peewee says no no and then then he's like how about this and it's a humongous head it's like the head. he doesn't even say it he just holds up this giant head and goes and peewee's like no no yeah trick gum trick gum He takes some of the trick gum, a boomerang bow tie, which was boomerang supposed to feature tie. later in the movie, but they never did it. It's I think it's a deleted scene. It is a deleted scene. Yeah, but yeah, that and that's the only one of them that we don't actually in the in the mm-hmm. in the, the actual cut of the movie. That's the only one we don't see him use yeah. at some point. Yeah. He leaves the magic store. He passes by his bike just to make sure that it's okay, and then he goes to Chuck's Bikerama. Yeah, and there's a bunch of BMX biker kids all wearing their BMX biker outfits. And he talks to Chuck. Well, no, Dottie's there. Dottie works at the Dottie's bike. there, yeah. And he's there to pick up a new horn, right? Yeah. And Dottie has a crush on Pee-wee. Dottie likes Pee-wee. And Pee-wee don't like Dottie, right? No, he's because he doesn't have time for girls. His life is too important and too busy. And he's just, you know, he's a loner, Dottie, a rebel. They could have just said it was gay, but actually the thing is, is that he's supposed to be a little boy and he doesn't like girls that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes through there. He gets the, she says, will you go to the drive-in with me? Right. Yeah. And he that was the whole thing. Her off. Yeah. Yeah. But he goes back to the clown and what, what's wrong? What happened? His bike is gone. That's right. There's nothing but scraps of all the chain that was there. And oh yeah, the, the clown is evil. <laughs> the clown is laughing at him. That's right. He runs back to Chuck's bikerama, blows the horn, and faints. Yeah, and knocks over a row of bikes like Donald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He tries to tell the police to start a dragnet to start searching for the bike, and they're just like, "Can't I love this?" When they tell him that it's not that important, he gives him such a look. Yeah, like what the fuck? What if finding my bike isn't important? What the fuck is important? <laughs> 
And then we have the extended scene of him walking out of this open air mall as oh, every bike in the world goes past him, including <laughs> toy is, ones. He is yeah. the only person we see not riding a bike. That's like right. he go he goes outside after his bike is stolen, and every single person is riding a bike but him. He sits down and, and he, then bikes keep riding past him. He tries to go to the police and he tries to report the bike stolen. And they're just like, they try to tell him, listen, you're more than likely you're not getting your bike back. Can you yeah. think of anybody who might want to take your bike? I love what I love it. He says, can you think of anybody who might want to take your bike? And and he, what does he say? Well, everyone liked my bike. Wait, just that morning, Francis... and then and you know you mentioned how important danny elfman's score is oh yeah danny elfman's score (laughs) absolutely makes one of my favorite gags in the entire movie when peewee marches up he marches up to the mansion the buxton mansion and it's like i mean the music is just like is tense and fraught and just you know and mm-hmm. peewee he he gets up to the door and he knocks on the door and every time he knocks there's a sting on the score so it's mm-hmm. like well, remember it, it's also oh, not funny. only the big one cuz he does one two three big knocks and then, and then, then a bunch ones, of yeah. little ones yeah dun 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 <laughs> yep so the guy from the james bond movie shows up and answers yeah, the door yes. former wow. wwf tag team champion professor mm-hmm. tori tanaka he says i need to see francis he tells him that francis is taking a bath and he says oh yeah where are they hosing him down <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> he manages to sneak in right he, yes, he puts yes. up like a a fake knocker up on the an door o- a, his... an automatic knocker yeah that's like a, we, a fake hand knocking on the door yeah. we cut to the other man child who is playing in his pool he's not taking a bath because he's wearing he's wearing swim trunks and it's yeah. just filled with you know you know all of these boats and toys and all this other stuff doing exactly what i did when i was seven which yeah. is literally pretend that i am a monster right and you're, you're wrecking <laughs> the boats and mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. killing people yeah. and eating killing them people. and doing yeah. all that stuff yeah <laughs> Pee-wee gets there <laughs> locks the door and tells him go ahead scream your head off we're miles away from where anyone can hear you <laughs> he jumps in the pool and they start thrashing about right Mr. Buxton, his dad, shows up, makes Tanaka bust through the door, and, you know, Pee-wee says, he stole my bike. And Mr. Buxton said, that's impossible. Francis and I have been opening his birthday presents all day. Pee-wee, the Buxtons are not thieves. Right. So, Pee-wee goes, that's okay. Would you like some gum? (laughs) And Francis gets the kind that uh, runs out of his mouth. Which would you like? like? Fruit or was it or spirit spearmint or spearmint? Yeah. Right. Mr. Buxton gets the fruit, which the spicy is one. Yeah. The spicy one, and he starts screaming. <laughs> and Francis's mouth starts bleeding ink. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Pee-wee now is starting to put up signs that is offering a ten thousand dollar reward for information <laughs> leading to the recovery of a stolen bike. Donnie yeah. points out that he doesn't have that money. I would argue that he does. He's got some kind of money. He seems pretty independently wealthy. Well, yeah. When you live on a single piece of cereal in the morning. That's but, true. Okay. 
maybe he he doesn't have that much liquid mm. cash. He can't just drop ten thousand dollars in somebody's lap. Yeah. But, but his but reasoning he, is yeah, go ahead. whoever comes forward with the information is obviously the one that stole it, so he doesn't have to give them the money. <laughs> so then they're in front of a radio station. They go running into a radio station, and of course they put Pee Wee on to talk about his bike, and he's describing his bike, and we cut to um, Francis Buxton. Francis. Sitting in a chair with a tiger over him because he's in like a game room or something. And he has a henchman from the 1950s who's totally. like, he's got like a, a greaser hair and whatever. He's dressed like someone from the 1950s. And Francis is like, this is getting, this is getting too hot. I need you to get yeah. rid of the bike. Cause now, oh, it right. turns out Francis is the one Francis did that hired a guy. Yeah. yeah. He hired a guy. And then we cut to one of my favorite fucking scenes in this movie. And that is Pee Wee in his basement with oh, everyone that he, with everyone he knows where yes. he's going to go over the evidence. Now, here's the one thing that I notice: The map that he has behind him is a map of San Francisco. Oh, there's really? No, I never noticed that. There's no way this takes place in San Francisco. Okay. Well, and given and given the tone of the movie, it, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that doesn't. You, 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 I don't think you're safe in assuming that it's meant to take place in San Francisco just because there's a map of San Francisco on the wall. Yeah. But, well, yeah. What's What's great about this is, is he's spiraling out of control. <laughs> yes, where everyone is against him. No one wants him to find. You know, he starts throwing accusations at everyone that no one wants to yeah. to find a bike. He, yeah. he has an endless. He has a pile of evidence, none of which seems to mean anything. Right. You He's know. built a, a model of the mall. <laughs> he has. He says he has arrows that that mark the position of the sun at the time the bike was taken. Like <laughs> he's gone into this this insane level of detail, and none of it none of it accomplishes anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, that 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 line that I think I've said on I might have said on this show. It's like a huge cable net sweater. <laughs> yes. That you're trying to unravel and someone keeps knitting and knitting. So everyone decides to leave because he's not treating everyone very well. Right. And he yeah, tells he basically everybody. Yeah. He tells Dottie he doesn't need anyone. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. And then they cut to him walking through the streets, hunched over. <laughs> it's raining. It's nighttime. Scaring homeless people. Yes. And he, and he walks into Madame Ruby's. Right. Madam Ruby's who is a who is a fortune teller and also apparently does taxes according yeah, to does, her sign on the outside. Sign. <laughs> she asks him if he has money. He he hands over what he ha- what she has and she makes up some bullshit. Yeah, right? Well she takes his she takes his wallet mm-hmm. and and guesses some things based on the pictures in his wallet that he, he he's here about he's his looking bicycle, for his bicycle. Has, yeah. Yeah. And she makes and up has, some bullshit. And he asks, where is it? And she says, she looks across the street and there's some Alamo thing. Yeah. And she says, it's in the Alamo in the basement. He says, thank you. And we immediately cut <laughs> to him hitchhiking to Texas. Right. He's like, okay, that's all I need. The Alamo. I'm there. And he's, he's, he's got a, a sign in the shape of Texas. He's yeah. got a bindle on a stick. <laughs> yes. He's like a 1930s hobo. Mm-hmm. Yep. And no one's pulling over for him. He has has a big fake thumb that he puts on his real thumb to help him hitchhike. That doesn't work more. We see his enthusiasm die and eventually eventually he's laying on the road, like half in the half in the road, half on the shoulder, just lifeless. Yeah. But then pretty soon someone does pick him up. Yeah. Mickey. 
Mickey, and he seems totally normal and not wearing prison clothes, right? <laughs> it's here's what I love about it. It's immediately obvious that Mickey is an escaped convict, right? Because he's got he's got handcuffs still on his wrists. That's right, right. he does. And Pee Wee picks up on this right away. They don't play it like Pee Wee's dumb and doesn't get that. Mm-hmm. You know, Pee Wee Pee Wee immediately Asset. notices, yeah, notices that Mickey is an escaped convict, and he does. All he says is, "What are you? What were you in for?" Like he doesn't, they, they play it completely the opposite. Like Pee-wee's not afraid of him. Mm-hmm. You know, Pee-wee's not like appalled that it's, he's an escape con. He's just like, what do, what were you in for? Mm-hmm. And Mickey tells him the reason that he was in. Yeah. Which and is, why was he in the, why was he in the slammer? <clears throat> he says, you know, those tags that they put on mattresses mm-hmm. that say, do not remove under penalty of law. Yep. Well, I cut one of them off. I took a knife. <laughs> 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 but they're coming up on a roadblock. They're coming up on a roadblock after a little while, and Pee-wee dresses in drag. <laughs> yeah, to 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 you know to get them past the roadblock. And, okay, so here's what they he manages to pull out of nowhere: clothes for him to dress like a woman, a yep. wig for him to wear, yep, a mustache and goatee, and a pair of glasses for Mickey for Mickey yeah. to wear. So when they get pulled over, they don't think it's them. The weird guy who's manning the roadblock is asking Pee-wee to show off the dress. I just want to see that. I just want to see that darling outfit you have on. Yeah. And they get through the thing, right? Yeah, they get through the thing, and Mickey immediately takes his disguise off, and Pee-wee seems perfectly content Mm -hmm. to just sit there and still be dressed up. He's just, like, enjoying the ride. Yep. So now it's nighttime. And he's letting Pee-wee drive. And this again, if you depending on what how the movie was framed, he starts driving and he starts seeing the street sign, you know, the road signs telling him how curvy yeah. the road's gonna be. And if you have the one that shows the bottom of the screen, you can obviously see that the road signs are being pushed. Right. Yes, the signs are the one the signs are moving, not the camera. Yeah, That's it's right. like an illusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then pretty soon the road goes completely crazy. He drives off a cliff. They start screaming and he puts the, cause it's a convertible. He puts the convertible top up and it turns into a parachute and allows the car to land. Right. Yeah. That's what Mickey says. Get out. I'm not traveling with you. Pee-wee's like, but you know why or whatever. And Mickey says, I'm a loner. I'm a rebel, which is the same line that he used yeah. on Dottie. And he's like, ow, deja vu. Yeah. And now he's left in the middle of nowhere, right? And we get yep. some animated eye gag stuff. That's right. Yeah. And this is where he uses the headlight glasses. It's so dark that we can only see his eyes. And he, turns yep, yep. The, he turns on the headlight glasses and he's surrounded by animals. He's surrounded by animals. I have no idea where the fuck he is, but there's animals that the frame is packed with nothing but animals. Yeah. But that's okay because Pee-wee's about to get picked up by the childhood trauma truck. Yeah, that's right. Large Marge. That's right. Large Marge. And she says, get in. And then she tells him about the worst accident she ever saw, right? Yeah. Ten years ago this very night. Mm-hmm. And um, and she gets to the part of when they pulled the body out of the flaming wreck. It looked like this. <laughs> And, then and we she get makes the, like a scary, like the scary stop motion face. Like, boo, 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 that's boo. right. Mm-hmm. And everyone, every you know, he screams. And then I think he says, "I think I can be. Le- I think I can get off here." <laughs> oh no! Or or does he? Or or does he? Does he jump out? 
No, he doesn't jump out. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, he remember, he's getting yeah. he's getting more and more scared as she's telling this story. And then when she finally makes the creepy face, he screams and then she says, Oh, that's the and that was the worst accident I ever seen. And he yeah. says, I think I can get off here. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets off and it's a truck stop with uh, yep. giant dinosaurs. Yeah, with giant dinosaurs, and he goes in, and you think, okay, that was weird, and he goes in there. Oh yeah, because she said because when he gets yeah, out, she says, she tell says, him Large tell... Marge sent you. Yeah, and that's what he does, and then the dude tells him that Large Marge died in the worst accident they'd ever seen, and it was like a twi- little Twilight Zone thing. Yeah, and then he, he eats something, and then he realizes all of his money is gone. He realizes for the first time that the fortune teller stole his wallet. Mm-hmm. How long ago was this? He's been on the road for a couple of days, and he's exactly. like, oh, "Oh shit, my wallet!" Yeah, but that's okay because there's a waitress there. Her name's Simone, and she's yeah. like, "Well, so he can wash dishes." And Simone really likes Pee Wee. Yeah, um, and Pee Wee, being non-sexual as he always should be, doesn't pick up on any of that <laughs> because she's talking about how she wants to go to France. Right. Her dream. Yeah, she wants to go Her to Paris. Dream. And she invites Pee-wee up into the mouth of a gigantic dinosaur. <laughs> yep. To watch the sun come up. To sit on the dinosaur's tongue yeah. and watch the sun come up. Like you do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she tells him all about how she always wanted to run off to France. Then he says, everybody I know has, has a big butt. Yes, sir. Yeah. What is it? What's your big butt or whatever yeah, it well, is? Well, because because her 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 boyfriend is. They do a little bit of a farce thing where her boyfriend mm-hmm. is listening at the door, and he hears Pee Wee say, "Let's talk about your big butt." Mm-hmm. And you know, then they talk a little bit more, and and you know, yeah, Simone because says, she's talking think... about how Andy is not Andy. Her boyfriend isn't yeah. exactly great. Andy, who's about nine thousand feet tall, oh yeah, um, uh, rips a bone off of the prehistoric monument sign. What? <laughs> it's now bright daylight outside when they come down, and Andy is going to kill Pee Wee and starts oh, chasing yeah. him around. Right, chases him around with the giant bone, and with so the giant Pee-wee, bone. Pee Wee flees across a field and jumps into the open box car of a conveniently passing freight train, mm-hmm. and falls asleep, and falls asleep. And then has a nightmare about a gigantic dinosaur devouring his bike. Yep. You know, yep. he's been under a lot of stress. But it's okay, because when he wakes up, there's a hobo there eating sardines. Yeah. And then he gets but, to hear the hobo sing every hobo song known to man. <laughs> this is what, another one of my favorite, because by the time they get to the last song, Pee Wee is done. Oh, he's like, he does not want to hear it anymore. The, the hobo is so happy and is having it's, such a great time singing all these songs, saying, Oh, Susanna, you know, and all these uh-huh. great old like Stephen Foster songs. Someone's and finally, in the kitchen Pee-wee, with Dinah. Yes. And and like Pee Wee just he can't take anymore and he puts his hands over his ears and screams and jumps and off, jumps the, off train. the train. Right. <laughs> but where is he when he jumps off the train? There's a sign right there for no reason next to the train tracks. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? He's arrived in San Antonio. It the literally home of the says, Alamo. "Howdy, partner! Welcome to San Antonio. Visit the historic Texas Alamo." And he's like, "How Yay. about that?" So he goes there, and Jan Hooks is showing everybody, all of these tourists, everything about the Alamo. And he has to sit there, and he wants to ask questions, but she keeps telling him to shut up. Wait till I get to the end of my presentation. Wait till I get- 
when you can and then you can answer questions and it is a typical awful you know tour guide type of situation yeah where they're all learning about what is it what is it can you say she has the they know how to say something i can't remember i can't it oh, was Bu- about buenos Bu- uh, dias mm, yeah i think so maybe or whatever, or, or tortillas, yeah. or something like that. Oh no, no, she says, she says, do we have any Mexican Americans with us mm. today? And like two people raise their hand. Well, Buenos Dias. Yeah. And then she gets all done, and then Pee Wee finally gets to ask the question. And what's the question? Um, are we when are we going to see, see the basement? The basement? Yeah. And she says, "What, Steve? <laughs> well, there is no basement at the Alamo." And they all start laughing at him. He runs out of the Alamo, and now he's upset. So now he's at the bus. All this way for nothing. Yeah, Yeah, he's sitting on a bench at a bus stop. And who walks up, Steve? Wouldn't you know it? It's Simone. Yeah, and Simone is getting on a bus. To Paris. To Paris. (laughs) Why the fuck not? You got to get there somehow. That's right. Yeah, and so she, she, he's glad that she's living her dream. She hopes that he finds his bicycle, and she says bon voyage, and he decides, okay, I got it. So he calls Dottie from a payphone. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he needs to ask Dottie for money for bus fare so that he can get back home. Yeah, this is another thing that is going to be stuck in my memory till the day I die. Where she's, she says, "Where are you, Pee Wee?" And he says, "I'm in Texas." And she says, no, you're not. And he says, yes, I am. And he leans I'll out. The, <laughs> I'll prove it. He leans out the, the phone booth and goes, the stars at night are big and bright. And everyone claps back. <laughs> Deep in the heart. The and that's enough. That's, that's enough proof. to convince yeah. her. That's right. And she, he also has to apologize to her. Yes. Because of what he said, you know, when he said he didn't need anybody and he was, you know, he was a jerk to her before he left. And he has to agree to go to the drive-in and he pretends that they're static. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea how he's going to get any of the money for any of the tickets. No, well, he, goes he, goes, straight, he goes straight to the ticket window. Does he, does he think that she wired him the ticket like I have right no, then, like at that, at that exact moment? <laughs> no idea, but I do know who's at the ticket window. Yeah. <clears throat> it's Andy. It's Andy, and he's still mad at Pee Wee. That's right. And he starts chasing Pee Wee, and Pee Wee runs into a convenient rodeo. Yeah, well, it's Texas, he, you know. He dresses up like a cowboy, with complete with a bandana to disguise his face. And some people pick him up and they put him on top of a steer. <laughs> That's right, because yeah, he his his the the whoever the cowboy was that he stole the clothes mm-hmm. from, he's up next. <laughs> And he gets thrown off, but thankfully the steer sees the red shirt that Andy's been wearing and chases him off. Yeah. And then we get another dumb joke that shouldn't work. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because Pee Wee has been knocked out and they're trying to tap him awake. They've taken off all the cowboys, cowboy stuff. And they're like, what's your name, son? son? And he says, I don't remember. Where are you from? I don't remember. Well, what do you remember? And he goes, I remember the Alamo. <laughs> and everybody cheers. Because it's Texas. <laughs> and then for some reason he winds up at a bar biker bar. Yeah, well, because remember he's walking, he's walking down the road and he sees that they have a phone and he wants yeah. to use the phone. So he and goes he in goes to use in the phone. And it's a rowdy biker bar and he's trying to use the phone and he turns around and he says, <laughs> Excuse me, I am trying to use the phone. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they all gather around him, and they're trying to decide what it is that they're going to do, whether they're going to kill him or whether they're going to destroy him. Um, this is also a brief cameo by um, Elvira is in this. That's right. She's the, the biker mama. Yeah, she's the biker mama. Yeah, that... Let me have him. But he manages to, to back out. Wait, no, no. Wait, first he backs out and then he knocks over all of their bikes. Yeah, and right? then they're like, okay, He's like, we're, excuse gonna kill, me. we're totally going to kill you Excuse now. me. And yeah, they slam on the table. They're like, I say we cut him up. I say we do this. I say we give him to, I say we give him He thinks that he's like, I say we let, let him go. go. <laughs> <laughs> but they have her, and she, they come up, that, that I guess that's the fate worth of death. And then he asks for a last request. Inexplicably, he comes up to uh, uh, a guy who works there. Who happens to be wearing platform shoes, I guess. <laughs> One of my favorite sight gags in the movie. Because mm-hmm. he he's takes taller, him off and he's, he's taller foot. than Pee Wee, and then he takes him off and he's like a foot shorter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Pee Wee putting these on does a dance on the bar to tequila. Yeah. And he wins over the bikers, right? Yes. They give him a they give him one of his their biker vests. <laughs> They say, good luck, Pee-wee, and I'm one of his, their bikes. And he says, yeah. good luck, Pee-wee. We really hope you find your bike. And he's like, okay. And then he takes off on one of the motorcycles and crashes directly into a sign. <laughs> and then they show the, the ambulance on the road being escorted by the bikers, right? Yes. Oh, yes. He gets to the hospital. And he has another dream. And now, I guess this dream picks up right after the bike got destroyed by the dinosaur because it's in pieces all over the place. And a bunch of super scary fucking clowns come out of nowhere and they're dressed like doctors. Yep. And they're they're doing surgery on his bike. I fucking hate this scene. (laughs) Clowns are scary. Clowns are scary. Clowns are scary. They're upsetting and they didn't need to have this in the film. But um, <laughs> they can't get the bike. To, they can't get the bike is dead, I guess. And then they show it. Being and the bike goes to hell. The bike goes to hell. Where <laughs> Francis, Francis is the devil. Is the devil. And they're destroying the bike. And he wakes up in the hospital. And the TV in the hospital room's there. And what's on the TV, Steve? Well, it's a news story about how this famous child actor mm-hmm. has just been given the gift of this really cool bicycle. That's right. And wouldn't you know it, it's Pee Wee's bicycle. And it's at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Weird. That's the same company that's producing this movie. Uh, what a coincidence. So he sneaks in. To the studio by pretending to be the entourage of who? Milton Burl. Milton Burl. <laughs> he just comes up behind everybody and just obnoxiously laughs mm. at Milton Burl's jokes and walks yeah. right in. And now he's in there and he's walking around and he's saying hi to everybody. And that's where we get the cameo from the guy who plays Jombie. He's right. dressed up in red armor and he does a, a funny, like, high voice. Right. And he sneaks onto a set of a movie that apparently has nuns in it. Mm-hmm. The the um, lead nun, the head nun, <laughs> is played by the woman who plays Missy Vaughn. That's right, on Pee Wee's Playhouse. On yep. Pee Wee's Playhouse, and she is threatening to f- quit because the lead <laughs> child actor is a sack of shit. Yeah, is like the biggest little asshole you can imagine, and she's like mm. openly threatening in front of everybody, openly I threatening the director quit. that she's going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the lead actor is such a little prick. Oh, he's, um, he's yeah. 
Pee Wee dresses up as one of the nuns and he just takes the mic. He walks up yeah. and he. <laughs> he, yeah yeah he says something because like in the scene in the movie the the kid has donated his the, it's like he, the kid was an orphan and he's just been adopted by new parents so he's leaving the orphanage with the nuns and he's mm. donated his bike to the orphanage so peewee in costume as one of the nuns basically says thanks and takes he the bike and he rides it out. <laughs> he, what the woman says is oh johnny you're an inspiration to us all and he goes boy i'll say i'm gonna start a paper route right now and just <laughs> takes right. the bike and rides it off the soundstage mm-hmm. yeah and he gets outside and now starts one of my favorite chase scenes in movies ever yeah okay because now he is in the back lot and he is trying to ride his bike through the back lot and he and there are guards that get their own bikes to chase after him. Yes. And also on the uh, in the golf carts, we get that great yeah. shot of all of the, the succession of golf carts being mm-hmm. unplugged. <laughs> and we find out all the gizmos and gadgets that are on his on his bike. Like one oh, guy's yeah. reaching like a, for the yeah. handlebar and it's a fake handlebar and pops off in his hand. And he starts riding through, you know, he rides through the jungle a department, movie. a beach movie, a Godzilla movie, a Godzilla movie, which for some reason is being shot on a soundstage in Warner Brothers, a, a twisted sister video, right? You know, just a whole bunch of stuff. And then what does he use as a jump? He goes through like a, I can't remember what he uses for a jump because eventually what happens is someone's driving him in a fake boat. Right. Yes. And God, someone's, Godzilla yeah. winds up in the fake boat along with Santa Claus. Yeah. Santa's sleigh gets attached to the boat somehow and it's all mm-hmm. being dragged along. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah, Santa's sleigh behind the boat and with Godzilla. And then there's the Twisted Sister video. Then he flies. Then, okay. So no, he goes to a town and he has rockets on his bike. That's right. And he engages the rockets and he flies through the air and he lands outside of the studio in a regular old neighborhood. Some kids see him and they go, awesome. And now Pee Wee has his bike, but something's wrong. What's happening? Yes. Destiny calls. Destiny Des- calls to Pee Wee mm-hmm. because he can't just ride his bike home. Nope. Because as he turns around a corner, he sees that there's a pet store on there's- fire. A pet store on fire in which he goes in and he saves all the pets. And my favorite thing about this is he keeps passing by the snakes. <laughs> yes. And, and he's he like, keeps finding Ugh. other animals to save instead of the snakes because he's always yeah. like, Ugh. And there's a yeah. chimpanzee that helps him helps him with all the animals. He even gets all the goldfish out yes. before, and before then the snakes. He goes in and he's staring at the snakes and he's staring at the snakes. And then he finally just runs out with his hands full of snakes screaming. Screaming. <laughs> he collapses. Yeah. And, and if, I love the, the fire department arrives right at that moment. And they're like, Pee Wee, like, young man, are you okay? And he's, his first words are, there are still some fish inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they say, this kid's a hero. And then the cop says, this kid's a criminal or something. Yeah. He's a thief. Yep. And so they bring him in to the studio where they replay some of the footage of him destroying the Godzilla movie. He apologizes. And then there's this big studio guy who tells him what? He says, you know, Pee Wee, Warner Brothers would love to make a movie about your story. Mm-hmm. And so we cut to a drive-in theater because, of course. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And the movie is. All the the characters, (laughs) all the the characters that we have seen throughout the movie are there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. This is where we get our Phil Phil Hartman cameo because they're all yes, want to. He's a reporter. Well, first he walks. He goes like backwards through all the people that he met because first there's Terry, who's the producer. He's the like bought snacks yeah. for everybody. Yeah, he's right? delivering snacks for all of his friends that have mm-hmm. come to to see the movie. Yeah, he gives Terry his snack. He's sitting in a like a. Uh, limousine. Then there's yeah. the hobo who's brought his friends, right? Yeah, and of course they're sitting around a, a hobo fire, right? Exactly. <laughs> and the bikers are there. Mm-hmm. The bikers are there. Oh wait, but we stopped to watch the movie, and <laughs> the movie is obviously Pee Wee is now played by what's his name? I can't James remember James Brolin. James Brolin. Dottie is played by uh, <laughs> what's her name? I can't remember her name. Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, the yes. Pee-wee's bike is now a super motorcycle. Called the X-1. Called the X-1, and they get attacked by ninjas. Yes, they do. And they have to fight the ninjas, but uh-oh, someone has stolen the X-1. One of the ninjas steals the X-1. Then he sees Mickey, who is <laughs> in, <laughs> in a, a prison bus. bus. Like a prison bus, yeah. Mm-hmm. He loves Wants to movie. get out the window. Mm-hmm. He tries to sneak a, a file to Mickey and a giant hot dog and, bun. And a foot long. Here's your foot long. He gets and, caught and Mickey says, nice try, Pee-wee. Then we cut back to the movie in which <laughs> the Pee-wee character. <laughs> is at a hotel. Is at a hotel. And Pee-wee is in. This is his scene in his own movie where he's playing the bellboy. And he says something that I have said out loud. I think we've even said it on this show. <laughs> Beijing, Mr. Herman. They've obviously dubbed it. Yeah, it's not his voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Herman, you have a telephone call, call at the front, at the front desk. desk. <laughs> he runs into Simone, who has is now uh has a French boyfriend. Yeah. Um, and he has somehow brought them French fries. You know, he's brought them yeah. French fries, right? He's brought them French fries, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, then it's the bikers where he just throws them all a bunch of candy. He just throws it in the area. Mm-hmm. And we watch a little bit more of the movie where he just stands in the background. Um, and then we run past Chuck, and there is Dottie, and she's dressed up really nice for the date, right? Yep. And she's on her bike, and mm-hmm. Pee Wee's bike is next to her. Mm-hmm. And she has an unnamed poodle. And then Francis shows up and he's being interviewed by a bunch of reporters. And he's taking credit for the fact that if it wasn't for him, this movie would never have been made. Right. Exactly. And and he wants uh, a photo of him sitting on the bike. He thinks that mm-hmm. would be nice. So Pee Wee right. says, sure. Yeah. And he sits down on the bike and then he pushes the button and then Francis gets launched into the air. Yep. And then Pee-wee says, uh, we don't have to stick around for the re- the end of the movie, right? Right. And Dottie says, don't you want to see the rest of it? And he says, what, Steve? He says, I don't need to see it. I, I lived, lived it. it. Right. <laughs> and then he rides off. The end. The so, end. The end. So, Steve, yes. how do you feel about this dramatic retelling of the adventures of Pee-wee Herman and his last lost bicycle? The, the most... Deeply impactful movie about a bike since Bicycle Thieves. I would, I would say easily, yes. Yeah, easily. Yeah. How do you feel about Pee-wee's big adventure now that you're not a child? I mean, it's, you know, not much suspense here, seeing as how we've both been laughing at it the entire time we've been talking about it. But I I love this movie. And I loved it when I first saw it as a kid. 
and I loved it yesterday when I watched it for this. I've seen mm -hmm. it. I don't know how many times. It, yeah. It it always makes me happy when I watch it. It always yeah. makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, watching it now, it it's amazing how because the 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 character of Pee Wee is such a strange character sure. and so and so difficult to pin down because like you've pointed out a few times he he has the mannerisms and the point of view and the personality of a child likes and dislikes of a child yeah, yeah. but but he's also clearly not a child and mm -hmm. the people in the movie don't you know they they don't talk to him as though he is a child i mean no. you know he's it's like he's there he's just he's this singular thing he's peewee and it's mm -hmm. difficult you can describe the him weirdest part of the movie things. The weirdest part of the movie is seeing him interact with children. Like, for right. example, the BMX team, right? Yeah. Because they're like, hey, Pee Wee, what's going on? And it's like, do they think he's cool? They, well, they... That's the thing. They kind of do. Like, they, yeah. they the, the BMX team, they, it, it seems like they like him. You know, they, yeah. they're like, hey, Pee Wee. They don't make fun of him. They're not talking mm. down to him. You know, they mm. kind of view him as a peer. Um, Except for those kids that see him crash his bike. Right. That's true. Because and, and it seems like he's kind of trying to impress them. And then he crashes. Mm -hmm. And that's when he stands up and goes, I meant to do that. And like, rides right. away in a hurry. Mm -hmm. um, but like. It's such a weird character. But there's no one running out and calling him a freak. There's no, no one running well, out and pointing out that he's bizarre, right? Not really. Well, there there it it kind of ties into what I what to what I'm what I'm getting at. Like mm -hmm. he this movie, both in the script that Paul Rubens himself co-wrote and and in the the direction of Tim Burton, like somehow, improbably, this movie is the perfect vehicle for this character mm -hmm. because it 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 captures everything that makes him funny and makes him appealing and makes him unique but it also works as a movie you know like it tells a story and it's a, a totally absurd story mm -hmm. but it makes sense it's comprehensible it's interesting it's as as we mentioned when i was talking about the trivia at the beginning like it has a classical screenplay structure mm -hmm. and it has all of that but it is still the the ideal showcase for the peewee character um, no. and one of the and one of the things about it that you just touched on that is really interesting and that i think is a big part of the movie's appeal is it's not just that people nobody calls peewee a freak mm -hmm. almost everybody that peewee runs into in the movie except for francis ends up loving him and oh, being yeah. and being just incredibly devoted to him like even the people the that bikers. he gets the bikers yeah. start off hating him, but by the time he leaves the bikers, they have pledged their loyalty to him. Like they love him. Um, Mickey, you know, Mickey, the ex-con that is literally one of, that's one of my favorite scenes because they go, because everything that you would, every direction you would expect that scene would go, it goes the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. You know, Mickey is never remotely threatening to Pee Wee, even in a comedic way. Mm -hmm. um, Pee Wee is not the least bit judgmental about him. You know, he seems more curious than anything like he, you know, he doesn't seem afraid of him. And then when they part company, it's because Mickey, Mickey basically says, I like you too much, Pee Wee. My mm -hmm. life is too dangerous. I can't have you with me because my life is too dangerous and I need you to be far away from me because I like you that much. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like everybody loves Pee Wee. He's the biggest weirdo you can imagine. His life makes no sense. He lives in this absurd house with all of these kitschy items around. He's got the Rube Goldberg machine that makes him mm -hmm. breakfast. He's got the bat pole that he uses to get dressed. He's yep. like just he has no job. 
He has no job. He's irrationally obsessed with his bicycle. I mean, he's just the biggest, most, you know, idiosyncratic weirdo you can imagine. And everybody who meets him just absolutely adores him. And I will and, say this yeah. up until this point, there has been nobody like him in a movie. No. No. And there's something about this movie and this script and Tim Burton as a filmmaker that just gets how to do this, mm -hmm. you know, that gets how to present this character in a way that is that is funny. And it's so funny, but is also appealing. And it's like this whimsical little adventure. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it's it. Yeah, it does. There are a lot of really funny gags and there are there are incredibly funny sight gags. There are great setup punchline type jokes. There's fantastically funny dialogue between characters. Um, mm -hmm. But it also tells this improbable, utterly ridiculous adventure story. Mm -hmm. That works like that works, it, you know, it, as 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 ridiculous as it is, like you want him to find his bike, you know, um, mm -hmm. and it's just it's it, it's it's, you know, when you think about how unusual the character is and then you think how well this movie works, not as a showcase for him and just as a movie in general, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, Danny Elfman's score, which we talked about a few times already, uh, like this was Tim Burton's first movie as a director. And you can tell that Tim Burton is still kind of finding his style. Right? Mm -hmm. um, there are some Tim Burton touches in it that that we would recognize as like quintessentially Tim Burton. The touches. dream sequences, the dream sequences, the, the, the scene in the alley, you know, um, some of the more absurdist pieces in it. Mm -hmm. But but he's still finding his his style as a filmmaker. Danny yep. Elfman seems like he's got it right away. Like this, oh, yeah. this is a, this is Danny Elfman's first score. And this is a Danny Elfman score through and through. Like, it's like Danny Elfman just somehow knew who he was as a film composer, like immediately. Mm -hmm. And the score is so important in this movie. We already mentioned the it, how it underscores the knocking on the door and how it makes that scene so funny because it pushes it so ridiculously over the top. Mm -hmm. um, and it matches Paul Rubens's body language as he throws himself into that door for the knocks. And, you know, it's just it's it's great. And, and there's a lot of stuff in this yeah. movie that allows the score to to step forward because there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of sequences in this film where there are no there is no dialogue. The that's the right. dream sequences, every chase sequence that's in there, it's usually dialogue free and Elfin is now carrying the film up based on based on the on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. The 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 phrase I have written down here in my notes to describe it is demented carnival music. Sure. Because, and, and, and it fits Pee Wee's aesthetic, you know, and P and the tone and it, it fits Tim Burton's aesthetic in a lot of ways too. I mean, there's, there mm -hmm. is like, because a lot of Pee Wee's life and a lot of what he encounters as he goes through this story, there's a lot of carnival imagery, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of like, and a lot of imagery drawn from like kitsch and it's carnival Funhouse yeah. kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. funhouse, circus, like old fashioned forms of entertainment, the mm -hmm. rodeo, you know. Um, even when he when he goes to the movie lot, 
it's like a movie lot from the it's 40s. An old it's old-fashioned like, yeah, movie lot. Yeah. yeah, it's not a movie lot from the 80s. It's a movie lot from the 40s where everything mm. is done on sound stages. There's like showgirls walking around. Yeah, exactly. They're making a beach movie. And, Has anybody yeah. made a beach party movie since the 60s? They're making no. a beach party movie. No. Um, so yeah, and that ties into another thing I noticed, and this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but this this occurred to me as I was watching it. The aesthetic and the tone and the the kinds of images and ideas and themes that the movie is interested in is like a less dark, less surreal, more narratively coherent David Lynch. Okay. It's Thank not as it, it, it's not as surreal as a Lynch movie. It's mm-hmm. not as anti-narrative as a Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. But there's that same fascination with dreams and mm-hmm. like classic Americana and old fashioned Hollywood and small town America, like the sort of the American fairy tales that we all know aren't true. If this movie has a vibe, yeah, yeah, it's the 1950s. Oh, yeah. Movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, like even the, the, the guy Chuck, that, that Francis is, hires. Yeah. Looks like a, he looks like a, a greaser. Yeah. Um, Chuck, who runs Chuck's Bikerama, mm-hmm. is wearing a sweater. Wearing a sweater a, like a dad from a, the 50s. Yeah, for the, like yeah. a dad from the 1950s. Yeah. The cars that we see. What kind of car is is Mickey driving? He's not driving. Oh, yeah, he's driving a, an old 1950s car. And the car behind them while they're driving for most yeah. of it is a 57 Bel Air. Yeah. So there's a lot of the bus that Simone gets on. It's yeah. not a modern bus. It's one from the 1950s. So there's kind of like this 50s kind of aesthetic going on. We know it's not the 1950s because when things no. not of the 1950s show up, they stand out like a sore thumb, like the BMX bike team at Chuck's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because all of the signage, everything in the open air, air mall is reminiscent of the 1950s, right? Mm-hmm. When Rubens grew up. Yeah. Right. So oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I mean, even the, the, the design of the bike itself, mm-hmm. you know, very 1950s. And the toys um, that he plays with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a Howdy Doody doll right front and center, and then he plays with a fire truck. Who in the fuck? What kid in the 1980s <laughs> was playing with a fire truck? Couldn't wait to wake up to play with their fire truck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and you know, the last thing I want to mention specifically, Paul Rubens's performance as Pee Wee. Um, mm-hmm. I think people who are fans of his and people who are fans of the Pee Wee character already know this, but like. I know there were there because Pee Wee got so big in the 80s. Pee Wee was everywhere. The TV show mm. was a big hit. There was the Pee Wee Herman talking doll that I, of course, had one um, where you pull the string and he says like a, a, a Pee Wee phrase. And like Pee Wee was everywhere. And there was eventually backlash where people of were course. like enough with the fucking Pee Wee. You know, just the same thing happened to The Simpsons a few years later. It was like it was it was overkill. Um, it reached a tipping point and people went from loving it to thinking, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. And so so there was a lot of that when I was a kid and I was a Pee Wee fan. You know, there were people when I would tell people, especially adults, that I like Pee Wee Herman. You know, you get a lot of, you know, because I think the the easy read on him is well he's just loud and obnoxious and rude and you know mm-hmm. but when you actually watch the movie or watch Pee-wee's Playhouse or even watch the original HBO special for the you know the stage show that based on his mm-hmm. Groundlings act um he's giving a performance he's playing a character oh, it's yeah, not, he is. and and it's and it's not one note mm-hmm. um 
you know, I love the way, and I took particular note of it in, when I watched the movie this time, it jumped out at me, that the way he modulates his voice, the way he can go from quiet to overbearingly loud, mm -hmm. always with intention. He's never just screaming because he wants to scream. Mm -hmm. He's always, it, he's doing it with great skill and great intention. And he almost always gets a laugh. Like he can get a laugh just from the way he says a line, you mm -hmm. know, like to me, what, one of, one of the, one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is the way he says to Francis, I love that story. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, cause I say that all the time. I say that in real life, you know, if I, if I want to be a smart ass to someone and somebody will say something to me, I'll say, Oh, I love that story. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it's such a, a passive aggressive cutting thing to say to someone when they've just, they've just spilled their guts to you and you completely dismiss it with this, you know, sarcastic, like, oh, I love that story. Mm -hmm. um, and he just, and he nails that because he gets the, the tone of it is perfect. Um, the, the line that you've mentioned a few times when he says, you know, uh, to, to knock at the door like oh really where are mm -hmm. they hosing him down mm -hmm. because that's like a crescendo like it's built up to that you know mm -hmm. he's 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 come to the to the mansion to get francis i want to talk to francis francis is having his bath oh really where are they hosing him down <laughs> like it's it's an escalation um it's it's so good and he's he, you know the the to just like dismiss the character or dismiss his performance mm -hmm. well he's just playing some obnoxious you know weirdo that's not it he's he's mm -hmm. giving a, a a really skillfully done comedic performance and and um you know he doesn't get his due as a as a comic actor uh especially I think he does now but i mean maybe he yeah. does now but at the time um, i think there was you know but yeah he's he's he was he was brilliant he was brilliant um and i was a huge fan of his and it was a lot of it was because of this movie i think i i think i was already watching peewee's playhouse by the time i saw this movie for the first time because the movie came out just in 85 yeah you yeah. were what like five years I, old i was five peewee's playhouse started when i was six so i think i saw the movie after i had already gotten into peewee's playhouse mm -hmm. but i i mean i i loved it right away peewee's um, playhouse was out yeah. in 87 that was the year i graduated from high school um, yeah. And I had known about Pee Wee prior to Pee Wee's movie from the HBO special. Right. So like my, the eighties were dominated by Pee Wee. And of course I glammed yeah. onto Pee Wee from the, from the HBO special, which was a little bit more mature, but not by much, not a whole lot. There were slightly, you know, more, there were slightly older jokes. Yeah. There, were, there, there was more innuendo, although there was a little, there was a lot of innuendo in Pee Wee's Playhouse too, but it was, but it there was, was so some, gentle. But that, not, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't going to make kids go, mommy, what did he mean by that? It was just kind of right. like, you know, in there. Um, So you like it? I love it. It's one yeah. of my favorite movies. It's one of my favorite. It's movies. nice to know that there was a movie that I was like, so influenced everything, my personality, everything from the 1980s that is still funny to me now, right? I don't look back at it and yeah. go, oh, Jesus Christ, what was I thinking? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I don't know how, how, I don't know if it has legs. I don't know if we showed it to kids now, if they would think it's funny. They probably would. I hope they would, right? Yeah. Um, but the Pee Wee character was really shooting at several different audiences little you know younger kids would get it but it was really shooting for either their parents at this point boomers would definitely got peewee okay mm -hmm. boomers got peewee um and, but i don't think it was necessarily just aimed at boomers it was aimed at, at basically everybody you want to take a movie that's really kind of for everybody it's peewee and i don't think that was on purpose right how many right. cuss words are in this movie steve 
I don't think there are any. Why is it PG? Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's, there's no cuss no, words. There's no cuss words. There's no sexuality. I mean, there's there's no. a couple of like again, relatively mild innuendos here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no there's viol- no, there's no graphic no violence. The only real violence is violence, yeah. trying to drown Francis. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But yeah. I mean, there's nothing in here. Wait, now I'm starting to wonder: Is it PG? I think, I think it, it is. Probably is. I think it probably is. All I know is is that it was a movie that you could take almost everybody to go see. Some of the older people that I know that saw it, and I'm talking about like my grandparents' age, they didn't understand what was going on, right? Yeah. But Pee Wee is someone that you just either accept right away as he is a he is a either a man child or he's supposed to be portraying a child, um, and then you just go with it. And if you can't go with it, then you're not going to like the movie. Okay, this is one yeah. of those movies that you're going to have to accept the movie on its own terms. If you try to sit down and yes. make sense of it, you'll go insane because it doesn't make any yeah. sense. No, it's not. It's not for that. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurdist. It's yeah. absurdist exactly, and and. You know, he is an absurdist character. Um, You know, there was a lot of stuff like that going on in the 80s that not all of our characters necessarily had to make sense in a conventional way. Before Max Headroom had a TV show, he was just Max Headroom. And he was weird beyond belief. He was just a head. And you're like, is he supposed to be like... What is he supposed to be? (laughs) generated? Is he supposed to be just a plastic man? You know, but he was he was Max Headroom before he became a TV show. And they tried yeah. to nail that down. Right. And, you know, the 80s were kind of filled with characters like that, where we had to take them at face value. We had Elvira. We had Pee Wee, Max Headroom. Who else? Who else did we get in the well, 80s? We that was kind of like the that. pre-show. Uh, yeah. Alf. Alf. Well, um, Alf had an exclamation, though. Alf had an explanation, but it was still but it was still preposterous. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it was that's yeah. true. It was it was like, oh, he's an alien who just lives in a suburban family's house. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> like, obviously Elf, a puppet. We never got a backstory for Elvira, I don't think, when she started she making was, movies. She was the mistress of the dark. What, what, no, what, the what, movies, what she was just Elvira. Mean? She's exactly. just Elvira. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't go see those movies for the backstory. You went no, there you because didn't. of what she was you went, wearing. <laughs> you went to see the front. You went for the front story. <laughs> I think it's great that she appears in this tiny little cameo that where no one will recognize her because she's not in yeah. any of the Elvira makeup or anything like that. No. And I think, isn't there like an Elvira poster visible at some point in one of the shots? Maybe. It's possible. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's like an Elvira poster up somewhere that not drawn any attention to. And then, you know, she appears as a different character in the movie. It's kind of cool. Like she needed anything in the 80s. Oh, the 80s were totally her decade. Yeah. But I mean, is it funny? Yes. Should it be? I don't know. They're telling corny jokes. They're telling corny jokes. But here's the here's the difference. You tell a corny joke right, and it's funny. Exactly. And you do it right, and it's funny. Right, airplane. You do a you do a bad yeah. corny joke, and it's funny. I shouldn't it, laugh it, it, at. It, it, I rem I remember the Alamo. That shouldn't be funny. And and in other people's hands, it probably wouldn't be yeah. if they didn't know how to tell it right. 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 Well, because love, it's done with yeah. it's done with confidence. And it's done with enough of a skewed perspective where you're not just laughing at the joke. You're laughing at the fact that they made mm-hmm. the joke in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, and there are the little things like when he's yeah. washing dishes. And if you know what Pee Wee Herman looks like, he has a very short haircut, but he's wearing a hairnet. <laughs> he's wearing a hairnet. Of course. No reason for him to do it other than it's funny. And so they put yeah. one on him. Right. 
that's what I like. It's just, that's what it is about this movie. I think it's just, it's for everything that it does that could have gone wrong. It doesn't do it wrong. Yeah. Right. It's a tight, it's a tight one hour and 30 minutes. It cuts along at a clip. It gives everyone a chance to really get to know the peewee character. And you, you know, 10 to 15 minutes in, if you haven't accepted the fact that this grown man is acting like a child while riding his bicycle, he has no apparent job and he has nothing to do <laughs> with his whole day other than buy shit at the magic store and go talk to pick up his horn for his bicycle. Yep. yep. You know, well, if you're not you know, willing the... to accept it, if you're demanding that he be a f- completely fleshed out character, then you're not going to be happy with this movie because nobody is a completely fleshed out character. And nobody's a completely fleshed out character. But one of the impressive things about that scene that, that you mentioned specifically that you really like, and I mean that I love too, it's a great scene where Pee Wee's going through his conspiracy theory with everybody in his basement mm-hmm. is, and that's half an hour into the movie. Yeah. Or yeah, it's and, like 20 and, minutes. Yeah. Something 20 minutes in. to half an hour into the movie. It's, it's early in the movie. And, mm-hmm. and by that point, and I noticed this when I was watching it yesterday, except for amazing Larry, where I think the joke <laughs> is that we, we, we have never seen him before. Well, we cut to amazing Larry yeah. and he's just an old guy with a mohawk. Yeah, with a, a, he... a multicolored mohawk. And Pee was like, would you like to share something with the rest of us? Amazing Larry. Because he's and, turned to whisper something to somebody. Yeah. And amazing Larry is, is the only one who, we have conspicuously <laughs> never met before but mm-hmm. other than that all those people it's like we know those people already every single one of those people every single one the, of the bmx and, bike team is there yeah. and Chuck most is of there. them yeah most of them we've only just met for just a brief second you know mm-hmm. or two like the magic shop guy we we got a little bit with him because Wee was there mm-hmm. for a bit and then of course you know chuck and dotty but even all the rest of them it's like i feel like i know who these people are even though i've only seen them once before and the movie's no. only been on for half an hour it's really the magic shop guy what helps is the magic that what helps is it, i'll i'll use this for the, as the muppets okay mm-hmm. and the original muppet movies no one knew treated them like muppets they just treated them like characters right yeah. It helped them. It helped with the fact that you had a talking frog, a talking bear that were obviously puppets. They were not, you know, they were made out of felt and fake fur and stuff like that. This is kind of the same thing. Pee Wee lives in his Pee Wee world, and people just accept him as Pee Wee. When he shows up at the magic shop, the guy's excited to, you know, yeah, to Pee-wee. have him there. Yeah. Right. Everyone is excited to see him and he just shows up and they're like, Pee Wee. And he, he, you know, he gets his horn or whatever. And, you know, some people are concerned about his bike, but they don't take it as seriously as Pee Wee does. Right. right? Um, and it's just that, you know, that's how you handle world building. The, the Pee Wee, this movie would fall apart again if people were too busy pointing out how weird he is. Right. Right. When he shows up at the biker bar, no one points out how weird he is. He gets in trouble because he's rude. Yes. Right. Yes. He's not paying attention and he's rude to them. And then he knocks over all of their motorcycles. <laughs> and then they really don't like him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. None of them and are then, commenting then, about he how wins, he's dressed. Yeah. He wins them over. He, he wins them over by doing something really over the top weird, mm-hmm. doing this ridiculous dance in platform yeah. shoes to tequila. To tequila. And it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all love him for it after yeah. that. For no reason, they now love him they to the point really which like they, give him, they give him one of his motorcycles. Yes. Right? 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as far as a, a movie where they built the world well and they filled it because they had a weird character. Remember when Warner Brothers, when movie studios used to do this? It didn't always work out, right? It didn't right. always work out. But again, we got Pee Wee. We went, yay. And then the movie studios went, who else do we got? Who else can we do this to? And they found Jim Varney. That's yes. Nope. And we got a nope. whole bunch of Ernest movies. No Pee Wee, no Jim Varney. And thankfully, the trend was starting to die down because then someone remembered Ed Ed Grimley, yes. you know, Martin Short's character. And I think he yeah. only made it to be a cartoon series. Yeah, there was, there was never an Ed Grimley movie. No, there was never an Ed Grimley movie. There was the cartoon series that Martin Short appeared in as mm-hmm. Ed Grimley in live action. He would do little bumpers for it yeah. as, as Ed in live action, but it was mm-hmm. mostly a cartoon. Yeah. But thankfully, that died down. If you want to argue with it, um, you know, uh, the uh, Ernest movies, he made they made more Ernest movies than they ever did Pee Wee movies. Oh, they made way more. Well, Pee Wee only got two theatrical movies. Mm-hmm. And um, then he kind of tried to actively kill Pee Wee. Yeah, he went through like a I am not Spock phase where he was like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just not. And, and part of that, I'm sure part of that was resentment over being typecast. Part of it was he got arrested for doing what people do in porno theaters and yeah, they made a masturbating, huge, uh, which yeah, some people a, a think much, he did on purpose to try to kill to try and yeah. But uh, yeah. although then and then but then he had that great comeback after mm-hmm. that when he came out on the MTV Awards as Pee Wee and his first line was heard any good jokes lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but like so he went through that phase and part of that is understandable because you know. Whether no matter how you interpret the character, whether you whether you think he's meant to literally be a child or he's just like, you know, a man child or something like that. Um, And Paul Rubens himself spoke about this in later years. Like, it's difficult to play Pee Wee when you're not when you're not young anymore. Mm-hmm. Because there's an essence of youth in the character, and yeah. you know Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens brought him back later in his life, and he did another Broadway show as Pee Wee that I really mm-hmm. liked. That I think was it's basically a redo of the original one. The it's HBO a redo special. of the first one, yeah, with, with some with some added material and a few changes. But he brought in the speaking, characters from yeah. Pee Wee's Playhouse into yeah. the show. It's more, right? yeah, it's yeah, and I st- I I still think it works really well, and I really like it. Like um, Cherry Globy, Cherry's um, in it, yeah. yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Tonky, you know, um, yeah, and they do the you. secret word and everything. But like, um, but and then he did a, uh, the Netflix movie Pee Wee's Big Holiday, um, mm-hmm. which is very, which is you know, is is very close to being a retread of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's a very broadly, close, a very similar. But I, I enjoy that. Too. I just watched that a few weeks ago again for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that one too. Not nearly as good as this, but but you know, enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But it's different. You can tell that it's different. Like when he he's playing Pee Wee in his fifties and sixties, and it's just not. You know, you can tell, first of all, he can't do he doesn't have the same vocal range as he had. So Mm -hmm. Pee Wee's voice is a lot is a lot has a much narrower range than Mm -hmm. it had back in, you know, in this and in Pee Wee's Playhouse. And And they CGI him. They CGI his face in the Netflix They CGI his face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, so there is a certain amount of that that I understand why he would have wanted to get away from that. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, once he got once we got into the mid 90s and he was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little a little long in the tooth to still play Pee Wee here. I'm getting old. Yeah. Yeah. But I loved it. So recommends. Yeah. Oh, highest recommendation. I love it. Yep. 
it's still it. fun. It's still imaginative on a on a small budget. Nothing here looks expensive. Not really. Pra- a oh, lot no. of practical, a lot of practical effects, except for when the bike is flying. But yeah. even then, I think that's made to look look hokey and bad on purpose when he's flying. Uh, yeah, I think I think the bike that's is the aesthetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. Okay. So Steve. Yes, sir. Recommend very much. Very much. Me too. Very much recommend, yeah. especially if you have kids. There's nothing yeah, there that's going to make yeah. you upset. It's it's yeah. like you were like you were saying before. It's I mean it's definitely I think appropriate for kids, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like it's aimed specifically at kids. You know, like you were saying, it's yeah. it's a, it feels like it's aimed at a much broader. It's it, it you know it feels like a movie made for adults, but that kids yeah. will be able to watch. And because I mean, like I said, I was you know a little kid when I saw it, and I loved it the first time mm-hmm. I saw it. So yeah. And rest in and rest in peace, Paul Rubens. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens. Absolutely, you were a genius. You were missed. You were deeply. Oh, missed. which by the way reminds me, the original voice for Harley Quinn just died. That's true. Yes, Arlene Sorkin. Yes. Arlene Sorkin died too. Yep. So rest, rest yep. in peace, Arlene. Yes, indeed. Thank you for doing that. Now I brought everybody down. <laughs> All your favorite actors and performers are dead. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Steve, what are you going to yes. not recommend? Oh boy. Well, you know. <sighs> Pee-wee was one of those characters, you know, from the 80s that you know, people saw on TV or saw in comedy clubs. And then he got his own movie and it was a big hit. And so, like you were saying, movie studios decided to do some more of that. Mm-hmm. And the most obvious other example is, is Ernest, who, yep. who I was also a huge fan of. Yes, um, you were. Even though, even though, boy, those movies got rough. <laughs> those movies are terrible, but they're still... Those, those movies are terrible. You got to um, admire him. Um... Yes, Oh my God! Yes. Because he is a really great performer. He really is. Yeah. Yes, and, he is. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for anyway. the most part, and, and for the most part, the movies, un, unlike Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which serves Paul Rubens and Pee Wee perfectly, most of Ernest's movies did not really know how to best use that character mm-hmm. and Jim mm-hmm. Barney to the best of it. You know, it just he didn't get the same sort of treatment that Pee Wee did, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm, I'm not doing an Ernest movie. I would never do that. I would never do Ernest like that. Yep. I think I would do Ernest like that. And you love him. You love him too much. I love him too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but there's another character far, far less well-remembered, far less famous to begin with. Um, but he was a character who was like a stereotypical nerd character um, who uh, was on TV in, uh, you know, in, in the eighties. And um, he was played by a guy named, uh, Toby Radloff mm-hmm. and he was a he was a stereotypical nerd character and uh he was I think he played him on MTV and he was you know he was just a guy that you would see on TV and he's like a stereotypical nerd with like a pocket protector and big glasses and slick back yeah. hair like a revenge of the nerds type nerd mm-hmm. and uh he was the star of a movie that's actually a horror movie called Killer Nerd You've already not recommended this movie before. Well, I'm You're not gonna recommending not recommend it, again. it again. All right, fine. I can't keep track of this shit. How many of these have we done? Like 200? I can't remember every fucking I movie I've ever. No, killer nerd. I've managed to not repeat myself. Have you? I don't know. I know. Would you rather? Fact. How about this? Here's one. No that, one look one into just, it. Here's one you that know? just came to. Here's one that just came to me off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. Would you rather okay. I do? Would you rather I not recommend uh, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane? Yeah, to do that, please. The, the Andrew Dice Clay vehicle. Fuck him and fuck that movie. Where they said, where they said, maybe we can turn him into like a movie star, and <laughs> turns out no. 
You can't. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah, for okay. So the Avengers of Ford Fairlane. It's Andrew Dice Clay and Lauren Holly, and he plays like he plays a private detective who specializes in the music industry, and mm-hmm. um, he's like investigating a murder. I think Gilbert Gottfried is in it for a little bit, and um, you know, and he's like a he's the, the idea is to make him like this cool, like you know, hip plays by his own rules. Mm-hmm. you know hollywood private detective who's investigating the murder and but he's also doing his andrew dice clay shtick yep you know so he's playing a character but he's also doing his stand-up act in the movie and it just doesn't work there work. are there i mean like the andrew dice clay stand-up persona is perhaps the most problematic <laughs> stand-up comedian ever so you're gonna have that just mm-hmm. as, a, as a as a speed bump to get over to begin with and then when you try to say okay you're gonna play like a private detective but you're also the dice man <laughs> you know you can't make it work you know and it just it doesn't work it doesn't work there are there are a few moments that i that i still think are kind of funny that are not just him you know doing bits from a stand-up act like there's a and i get they're they're dumb jokes but they make me laugh just because you know it, it's it just if it, if it strikes you the right way like there's a moment where him and his secretary are like trying to they've climbed out a window and they're like hanging from a fire escape and he's got his hand on the on the rail of the fire escape and he's holding her with his other hand and he's kind of dangling her down and gonna he's gonna drop her so she can like fall to a ledge below and she's scared because they're way up high and he says hey listen don't worry if you fall i'll make it and you know that makes me laugh because it's such a dumb joke Mm -hmm. um but you know other than other than little moments like that it's not good it's really probably not even good if you approach it as like if you're like a diehard andrew dice clay fan because it's just it doesn't look good who's left that that there's a diehard andrew dice there's probably there's probably some people who were kids when you know it came out who haven't got the memo about why it's not cool for him to be making all the fucking jokes that he makes um who were like i thought he was funny i thought it was um, funny anyways, when he came out i was in my early 20s i'm alone now i'm in my i'm hitting <laughs> 60 i've been alone for so long but the dice man he's still funny huh huh, 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 huh. Uh, yeah, yeah i can do the i can do a cigarette bit you want to see me do it yeah you know? I, i'd move my hand from here to, to, to hear oh mother albert went to the cupboard to get her old dog a bone she uh, bent over rover took over she got a bone of her own is this where we remind the audience that you really liked him when you were younger when i was a kid i really liked andrew dice clay you, you know, thought he I was did. hilarious i thought he was especially the racist and sexist stuff mm, i was like yeah mm. you <laughs> you tell those women dice man how come we didn't get movies from the other popular comedians around at that time? Where's my emo Phillips one? Oh man, yeah, right? He could have done actually. A he could have done. A he was like well, a weirdo. Yeah, he was a weirdo, but I think he he would work better and more as an adult. You know what he was recently, and yeah. I loved him. I loved it. He was he was Salvador Dali at the pool scene in um oh in uh, in, uh in the weird owl movie the weird owl movie yeah 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 which also features Wee herman yeah but someone else playing Wee. someone playing him yeah not paul rubin mm-hmm. yeah. it's an impossible the, the pool scene is impossible the people that are there in the pool scene being played oh by God. other people it's, yeah. it's like number well, one it yeah. is like it is a cameo fest 
Yeah. Um, but it's I it's love, famous yeah. actors playing famous characters. Conan is playing yeah. is playing. Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh fuck, the soup soup can guy. Oh, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Yeah. Right. Jack Black is Wolfman Jack. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Someone... my not recommendation is The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. <laughs> like, yeah. Fuck that movie. Hey guys, as you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed, and it's whatever it is, 1985. And the movie that I'm not going to recommend is kind of the polar opposite. Someone decided in England, someone in England decided, hey, let's make a movie about the American Revolution, except they have it not have a plot, and it's stupid, and I hate it, and it's called Revolution. Ever seen that, Steve? I've heard of it. I've never actually seen it. Never watch it. It's awful. Never watch it. Hey, you know what? There's something that Al Pacino can't do. Guess what that is? Play a founding father? An accent. Oh, shit. Don't ask him to do one. He's supposed to be from New England, and they put him in this movie, and I don't know what it is he's trying to do. I don't know if that's supposed to be a British accent or whatever it is. I have no idea. It also has Nastasha Kinski and Donald Sutherland and Annie Lennox is in it briefly. They filmed all of it in England. It is just a fucking boring piece of shit movie. It really is. And it has stuff in there that's completely and totally historically inaccurate. No. Yay. Everyone hated it. It was just it was just boring and stupid. So if you go, oh, I have never heard of that movie. Don't look it up. Don't watch it. Don't don't just don't. It's stupid. Revolution. It's dumb. I hate it. Hey, Steve. Yes, my friend. Now it's the time for you to pick the next movie that we're going to review. I make Steve pick a movie, A, B, or C. He doesn't know what those movies are. He has to pick one. And uh, all these are related, but I'm not going to tell you how they're related. And all of them are good movies. Oh, sweet. All right. Treat ourselves again. All right. Yeah, and the category is anime. Oh, okay. Yay! So A, B, or C, Steve. Pick A, B, or C. I'm going to pick C. Okay. (laughs) You said they were all good. They are all good. Had you picked A, we would have watched what many people considered the best animated movie ever made, Spirited Away. Ah, great movie. Had you picked B, we would have watched the movie that a lot of people said was the greatest anime movie before Spirited Away came out, <laughs> and that is Akira. Oh, yeah. But you picked C, which is kind of like, it's not quite the independent movie of these categories. I mean, here's the thing. I think if you walked up to almost anybody and asked them about Spirited Away or Akira, definitely they'd probably know about Spirited Away because it hit big in the United States. Oh, yeah. Akira, depending on what age they are, they'd probably know what you were talking about. But this one, this one, I think not so much. I know it. Lots of people know it. A lot of a lot of people who like movies know it. And it did hit big. And it is considered one of the best examples of uh, anime from Japan. The next movie that we're going to review is Perfect Blue. Ooh. Have you ever seen it? I've never seen it. Why? What's wrong with you? No. <laughs> I don't like watching cartoons. So if you want to get all the jokes, then please watch Perfect <laughs> Blue. Perfect that's it. Blue. Perfect blue. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Until next time, this is Jason Harding. You can go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. Jason, mm. I like you. Like. Like you. I like you. <laughs> like. Jeez. Am I coming on too strong? All I want to do is go to the drive-in with you. I know what you want to do when we get to the drive-in. Handies? Yeah.
Exactly. Wendy's with me? Exactly. You want to cut a hole in the bottom of that popcorn tub. Wait, what? And put it right there. But what on right your there? Lap. But popcorn? Sure. And then be like, and then be like, I've got a surprise in the popcorn. See what the surprise is in the popcorn. And then I got my hand in there and I'm digging around. Yeah. And there's not just popcorn in there. Yeah, there's candy because you mix candy yeah. in with the popcorn. And it's good. What are you talking about? Oh, you you mix candy in with the popcorn. Yeah. What yeah, do you think a con- candy is? You hold hands when you- and you watch the movie. What's, <laughs> you weird pervert. What's wrong with you? When you go to the concession stand, you say, put some candy in there with it, too. You buy candy separate and you mix it in. You shake the milk duds into the popcorn and you mix it up. Milk duds? <laughs> Reese's it's pieces. Popcorn, whatever. Reese's yeah. pieces. Reese's something pieces. With a little chocolate in it. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay, some M&Ms. Yeah, sure. Okay, here's something that I used to do. You ready? Tell me, tell me, tell me. I get a big old sodi, one of the great big old sodies. Sure. I wouldn't get a straw. I'd buy red vines. Oh, and I'd bite oh, the shit. ends off the red vines and use that as a straw. Wow. That and is now I have diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never used to, I never actually mixed like uh like M&Ms or Reese's pieces in with my popcorn. I almost I never got often... popcorn. That's just some that's something I saw other people do. Yeah. But, I would yeah. often get I would often get I would have the popcorn and also have like a box of M&Ms and I would I would do like I would like a mouthful of both. You know what I mean? Like take a munch some popcorn and then pop a couple M&Ms in there. So it's all in there together. Yeah. Number one, I would never buy candy at the theater ever. Well, I mean, nowadays I you'd like... have to mortgage your house. I mean, yeah. it was expensive back when I was a kid and I can't imagine how expensive it must be now. Exactly. The most I would exactly. get, I didn't really like eating popcorn. It was too crunchy. And too loud in a movie theater, but I would bring in my own candy and then I would buy red vines if I didn't couldn't find them at because red vines is something that is one of those candies that you only find usually in a in a theater. Yeah. And it's the only time you ever want one is in a theater, right? I mean, I don't remember going, I'm gonna go out to the store and buy me some red vines. Like I'd be able to be able to find them. And I've been it's been so long since I've been in the theater. Do they sell red vines in the theater? anymore i don't know i don't even yeah i i don't know uh-huh i'll go back to the theater that we have out here and sift through the ashes and see if i can find a red vines box in there and go, oh yeah they did because that's what's happening they're all burning down they're burning down and collecting the insurance money on them now <laughs> that's the only way you can break even that's right do you notice how i steered us away from that sick thing that you implied that i wanted to do I'm with sorry. the whole thing and you i mean if hey listen you're my friend i know you like living alone but sometimes you can be lonely i'll put on the wig that you mailed me i did it confused me for a little bit like why is he sending me this wig but i'll put on the wig we'll go to the movie theater okay okay do whatever just no i like how i like how you turned it around to make it something that i wanted when the bit began (laughs) that it was something that you wanted but now we've we've completely done a, a 180 you're not supposed to nice. point out nicely that done. Nicely it. Thank done. You. Now let's see if we can do the triple reverse where you turn it around on me. Okay. <laughs> that that should be easy since we've. <laughs> That's too bad. I'm not giving you enough time to do it. Bye um, everybody. Bye everybody. Late seating is a let me listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. 
You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.